The Man Against the Sky. This is the title of a very powerful and beautiful poem by a 19th century American poet. 19th and 20th century American poet, uh, Edward Arlington Robinson. This is a very prolific writer. Uh, and uh, he's very philosophical. And this poem is a profound philosophical meditation on the human condition. And as the title suggests, we have a man as an individual, as a lone individual, confronting the very limits of his existence. So he's not part of the community. He has one off by himself. He is not um, comfortably ensconced in the day-to-day -day life. He is off by himself considering the very fundamental significance of his life. All right, and Robinson is going to use a host of brilliant images to express this existential angst. So existentialism is a philosophical movement that stressed authenticity, right? Being who you really are, choosing your destiny, not just having your destiny uh, selected for you or imposed upon you by your society, uh, introspecting and finding out your own individual compass, as opposed to having it derived from the people around you. Okay, so this is an existentialist quest of someone who um, is going off into this uh, glorious fire on a hill. That's how this poem begins. Uh, it's about a man standing against a burning hill. Okay? So now burned a southern hill, bleak, round, and high, by flame-lit height made higher, with nothing on it for the flame to kill, save one who moved and was alone up there, to loom before the chaos and the glare. So here's a man who is on this barren hill, with just a fire burning with nothing really to burn and the man up there in this burning hill. And it's like, this image is a symbol of, I think, someone on this existential spiritual quest who, again, has left the comfort of the community and is considering the very limiting features of his life, okay? He's up on this hill, it's a metaphorical image. Um, It's possible as he stands on this fire. So fire represents change. Uh, things are in flux. Things are changing their state. He sees the flame bitten and flame cleft hill. So the flames are, are vicious and they're tearing up the hill and it's almost like they're going to destroy the remnants of the town uh, beneath them. Um, 
And Robinson says, as if there were to be no last thing left of a nameless, unimaginable town. So in the end, after this conflagration, this conflagration of change that we, we're, we're living in, so we're, we're transient, we're, we're, we're having these very brief encounters and, and moving towards death. And these are the fundamental facts of our life that we are confronting in this poem. Uh, we're not hiding from it in just the daily cares of life. And this man on the hill is thinking, well, with all this change, or as it's embodied in the poem, with all this fire, uh, perhaps nothing will be left. Perhaps nothing of my life will be left. Perhaps no uh, relationships or, or, or wealth I've accumulated. None of it will last. This is the possibility of a complete nihilism. So the belief that nothing is permanent, nothing really matters, because in the end, it's all uh, going to fade and die out with the passage of time. Right? So... Um, down to the perils of a depth not known. This man is descending into this unknown depth. It's like the, 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 once, we, once we detach ourselves from uh, our daily routine, we see this abyss, which is a metaphor for what this life is about, what, what we're doing here, what our role is. Okay? Um, we as rational animals, we have animal functions, but we also have rationality that allows us to, to think and to question and, and to contemplate the universe. And in a way it's a blessing, but in a way it's also a curse because we wonder about significance in a way that animals don't, um, other animals. So this man is um, from death defended, though by men forsaken, the bread that every man must eat alone. So he's eating the bread that each of us must eat alone. Reminds me of the Our Father, give us this day our daily bread, this great prayer that Christ taught us. Um, give us this day our daily bread. But this man has to eat a bread that every man must eat alone. Okay, and what is this bread that we all must eat alone? Well, it's it's our life. We No one can live our lives for us. In the end, even though we have relationships, we have to make these solitary decisions and also to confront and assess the significance of our lives alone. Right? So this is the interior heart of a human soul confronting the meaning of life. And it's like standing on this hill with a conflagration of biting fire and the threat of annihilation is, is there. Um, but maybe not. Maybe there's something lasting that we can dig out of the fire. Um, so this individual on the hill, he has become immovable to the old idolatries. Robinson says, he may have been the prophet of an art, immovable to old idolatries. So this man has, has embarked on a journey and he's a new prophet, meaning he has a new insight into divine truth. And this new insight has caused him to leave behind the old customs of his community. So the, 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 
the, the worldview that the community imposed, by which he attained a certain degree of comfort, he has cast that aside and, 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 and it's being severely tested right now. He's no longer moved by it. These are old idolatries. What really is going on in this human life, in this human journey? Okay, this is a very powerful, moving image. Is he a player without a part? He may have been a player without a part. Annoyed that even the sun should have the skies for such a flaming way to advertise. So the sun has this role. The sun goes through the sky every day as a cycle. It's a repeated cycle for the sun. But this man, because he's questioning in a fundamental way the significance of his life, this man is now feeling like he has no role. The role is assigned by your social context. So what he's, find, what he's finding is that he has gotten rid of his bad faith. This is another term of the existentialist. And bad faith means that you deny your own freedom. You blame your own fate on your circumstances. They have been imposed upon you by your surroundings. You don't, you don't take ownership for who you are. Well, this person is no longer a product of his society. He has detached himself and he's looking at it in a totally uh, clean slate. Okay? So, is he without a part? And perhaps the joys and the wars are all arrayed for doom. Okay, all these wonderful things that we fight for and, and cry about and laugh about. Um, is it just transient and just moving towards doom? Is all for naught? Because what's the point of it all if we're just going to be extinguished in the end? If there's no immortality? Okay? Um, this is this deep probing question. We have this hunger for significance and for immortality. It seems like the limitations of our life and our mortality threaten our very sense of importance. So we hear the slogan, Black Lives Matter. And I'm thinking, this is something actually very profound. Because, because why do they matter? Why does life in general matter? This is actually a rebellion against insignificance, against nihilism. Okay, so life matters. Uh, it's not something transient and something trivial. And in the end, there's just going to be this blank, silent earth with no human life. No, these, these individual struggles are very important. It's almost like this is a, a religious worldview that I can sympathize with. Okay, so perhaps life is a highway. A lighted highway to the tomb. So it's just this pathway that's, you're walking along it, it shows you the directions, and at the end is your tomb. All right, so it's a very bleak picture and it's something that we have to consider as a possibility. We don't really know what happens after we die. We have a certain faith. Some people have faith, but no one really knows um, what happens. It's possible that it's just the end. Um, there is a flame on this hill where nothing seems to burn but the flame itself, but nothing fed. 
It's just this burning flame. There's nothing that's feeding it. Okay, and this seems to me to be this blind activity. It reminds me of Schopenhauer and his idea of this will at the bottom of reality. The fundamental reality is a will that just strives without any purpose, without any kind of aim. It's just blind striving. And this fire just continues to consume without burning anything. It's, it's, it's the fire that Abraham sees. Um, or I forget, is it, is it Moses? It's the biblical fire that, that, that burns without consuming. The burning bush that's not consumed. Okay, it's this fundamental energy that does not have any kind of sustenance. So this, this seems to me like a symbol of um, a primal energy. It could be a, it could be God, this basic level of being that doesn't depend upon anything else. So it needs no sustenance. It's just fire, it's just energy, pure energy that doesn't need anything else. All right, and um, we have just this brute fire that is a, an energy that has no purpose, has no direction. And at his heart there may have gnawed sick memories of a dead faith, foiled and flawed. This is someone who has seen this burning fire that does not consume, that lacks any kind of need for sustenance, and it has no direction or purpose, and he has lost his faith. His old idols have disappeared. God is dead for this person. And he is long dishonored by the living death, assigned alike by chance to brutes and hierophants. So we have this living death, which is this pathway to the tomb, and it's given by chance to brutes, just very bad people or maybe animals, and very holy people like hierophants, people who interpret the sacred mysteries. Um, we all experience the living death where we're alive only to die. Okay, so I'm not saying that Robinson actually believes this, but it's just the questioning human soul, uh, searching for some kind of order and perhaps becoming bitter like the wife of Job who sees her husband getting pummeled by all these misfortunes, even though Job was very faithful. And she says in the end, curse God and die. She becomes bitter and, and raises her fist to God. Okay, so it's a horrible thing, but it's a temptation that maybe at, at, at times all of us have to experience. That we just don't want to be here. We don't see the justice in it. The man is black drawn against wild red. He's this dark shadowy figure against this wild red. Um, this reminds me of um, Heraclitus. He's this ancient Greek philosopher. I'm sorry, just an ancient philosopher. I'm not sure if he's Greek, but a pre-Socratic philosopher. Uh, he thought the world is an everlasting fire with constant flux. So the world is always changing. This fire is something that is a catalyst for change. It changes things to a different state. We don't lose matter, it just changes state. So the wood becomes smoke and ash. And this is what this man is experiencing. He's experiencing the flux and the change. He's trying to make some sense of it. Okay? So this man, Robinson gives us the first glimmer of hope. 
he may have built unawed by fiery gules, that in him, that in him no commotion stirred, a living reason out of molecules, why the molecules occurred. So this man has an insight at some point as to why there are molecules in the first place. He gets a sense of purpose. It's not just blind fire burning to no account and to no end. This is a mark of hope. Uh, he is going to find a reason for the laws that are infrangible and for no kind of cause. So he's in the midst of this lawful progression. It's infrangible. I mean, it's inviolable. Um, he's in this deterministic universe where there's no opportunity to change anything. He's just stuck in this inevitable prog inevitable progression. But nevertheless, he finds a, a why for it. He finds a reason. Uh, it reminds me of um, my grandfather. I have a story about my grandfather, Grandpa Reuben. My boy, Lil Ruben, he's, he had a, a little home in uh, Uruguay, and he called it El Porque, the why, the reason. It's a very philosophical um, view, right? So um, the idea that, um, hey, I, I found a reason for the molecules. I found El Porque, the, the, the why. So, um, in the midst of all this random change and this determinism that prevents this man from doing anything of his own volition, and it could be a woman too, I'm not saying man, only men can have this existential quest, certainly a woman can do this, I'm just speaking in generically. Um, he can build an airy monument that should outlast an accidental universe. This guy has an opportunity to find the why to build this sense of meaning, even though the universe might be hostile. Uh, perhaps at bottom, there's some purpose. So like we make things for a purpose. We make computers and cars to serve a purpose. And we want to project this purpose-driven orientation onto the larger universe but we find it to be kind of senseless and hostile. But this person is finding an opportunity to build an airy monument. Now it's airy, so that might mean it's going to disappear eventually. And indeed, there's a possibility that all he prized alive may rule a state no larger than a grave that holds a clown. So even this mighty person who lived on earth Someone who's very powerful, uh, like Pelosi, uh, this American politician who's very powerful, the Speaker of the House. In the end, she will occupy a grave that only holds a clown. So it's, it's, a, it's an image that's meant to show the a mockery of human power. Because no matter how great you are, in the end, you end up just in a grave and just kind of a joke like the clown has dwindled into nothingness do we shake 
the music of the toys so loud is that our life a manifest end of ashes and eternal night this reminds me of Macbeth there's a line in Macbeth where he says out out brief candle life's but a walking shadow a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing Robinson is using a metaphor of these toys making a music and it's just this triviality. We want something substantive. We want something significant. But if we're just atoms that are deterministically following a path that we can't control, in the end dissipating into death, then it's not significant. But we must wait. Um, for another darkness or another light. We're in the state of suspense where we're probing and questioning and we could find just sheer darkness, sheer obscurity in response to our existential queries, or we could find a light. Robinson mentions the word. This is the key, the word, which you find in the Gospel of John. The word meaning the structure of the universe. The word made flesh and dwelt among us. This is the significance that we're seeking. That the universe was created according to a divine plan. And that's why we matter. Alright, so... Um, but some people doubt this. We don't really know for sure. It's hard to find out. And we, may, we, we could be waiting for another darkness. So again, this is ex existentialism. This is a philosophical movement. And it explores these liminal experiences of death and nothingness. So it goes to the very, the very limits of life. Uh, the lim limit being death, the limit being nothingness. All right, and, and questions whether we can find some kind of something solid to hold on to in the midst of this emptiness or this this threat of dissipation. Okay, so um, he continues with these brilliant um, language. I'll just read a little bit more. Um, Along one blind atomic pilgrimage, and again, this is the idea of atoms just deterministically following their path according to the physical laws of nature, and this is what governs our lives. We don't have free will. We don't have the ability to choose our destiny. Okay, there's nothing there's nothing but atoms in the void this is democritus the great pre-socratic so robinson has studied philosophy he's 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 incorporating some of it whereon by crass chance billeted we go because our brains and bones and cartilage will have it so if this we say and let us all be still about our share in it and live and die more quietly thereby so we're just built of brains and bones and it just they're fundamentally made of, of, of atoms and as a result we're just going to just progress into this uh, fiery pit of nothingness okay so um, we can make though an offering to the word that will not be erased this is the word from the gospel of John in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. All right, so the word meaning like something intelligible, 
something that makes sense, something that has significance. That's what words are. And this gives hope that perhaps we can make our lives an offering to the word. Okay, sacrifice our lives in service to the word and there escape this abyss of nothingness. Okay? Um, perhaps we can escape through the word the planetary trap where souls are wrought for nothing but the, the sake of being caught and sent again to nothing will attune itself to any key of any reason why man should hunger through another season. Okay, so there's just this trap where we don't really know why we should continue with the suffering we go through every day. Each day has a little bit of suffering, sometimes a lot. And so are we in this trap where there's just no key of any reason? Um, and Robinson feels, uh, speaking on behalf of this man, there are these birds cruelly looking, looking down on him. And they're ruminating. They're, they're up there thinking and chewing on something. I imagine them chewing and pecking away and they dive and flash and poise in rivers and seas or by their loyal tails and lofty trees hang screeching lewd victorious derision of man's immortal vision. So these cruel birds are like, they're like demonic birds that laugh at us because we have this immortal vision. We want to be immortal. Okay, that's very power that's very significant for us. We don't want to just end up for nothing. Which is why we follow these so-called mad couriers, these mad messengers that claim to have a message from from some god or, or some message of truth. And they actually mislead us, these horrible couriers who, who give us false messages and, and they say, follow us and we'll save you. You know, the, the communists and the, the cult leaders and the charlatans. There's mad couriers who lead along the roads of the ridiculous. Okay, so um, you're getting a picture of just the basic facts of life. Just the, the, the fundamental features that, that, that shape all our lives. Not, um, not specific features, but the fundamental struggle of human life. All might come to naught. Um, and this is the, a very powerful image. So clamoringly for each racked empty day, we have this sense of hopelessness and each day is just struggle, struggle and sacrifice and empty of meaning that leads one more last human hope away as quiet fiends would lead past our crazed eyes, our children to an unseen sacrifice. So this is a uh, this is so powerful. There's these fiends, these these horrible demons that are taking our children to the sacrifice, and that's just like that's what life is like. It's like we, in, in in a certain view of it, you know, I'm not saying this is true, but in our moments of doubt and darkness, we see like, well, these kids are being taken away, like they're being, you know, in car accidents or going to drugs, and they're sacrificed by these these fiends. Okay, um, for another um, unseen sacrifice. Unseen because we don't understand it. So we can't see what's going on. We don't see behind the curtain, so to speak. And all might come to naught if there be nothing after now and be nothing anyhow. And we know that. 
why live? What's the point if all comes to naught? And I'll read the final lines. Twere sure but weaklings vain distress to suffer dungeons where so many doors will open on the cold eternal shores to look, that look sheer down to the dark life tideless floods of nothingness where all who know may drown. So in the end, is this fire, this conflagration, going to lead us to this dungeon with a lot of doors that appear to lead to somewhere, but actually lead up to lead to the same place? The cold eternal shores, or this this unchanging frozen wasteland. And this tideless flood, which doesn't even move, it's just static of nothingness. So is that the ultimate fate? Where we live for a season and then only find ourselves lacking consciousness, um, lacking awareness, and it's all over. It's almost like it never happened. All right, so I do think life matters. I agree with this idea that, you know, if you think about it, it's a profound philosophical view. It's not just social justice. It's about a cosmic significance of human life that black lives matter where all lives matter, right? So think about the metaphysical underpinnings of that slogan. And in a way, I agree with it. All right. So this is Dan Del Monte. I hope you enjoyed this poem. Check it out for yourself. Read the whole thing. Uh, this is CultureCast and signing off for tonight. It's September 13th and have a great night.